Hey, what up, Long Beach? Welcome back to the Long Beach 30, a weekly podcast brought to you by the Long Beach Post and the 562.org. I'm your host, Mike Gardabasio, joined as always by the NL West champion, JJ Fiddler. Oh, yeah. Each week in just 30 minutes, we'll be bringing you the best news, politics, and entertainment stories from the city where it's too hot. It's supposed <laughs> to be fall. It's September. Summer was the late burn. <laughs> if you like the show, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star review. Be sure to tell your friends on Twitter and Facebook. This week, we are talking about Long Beach's remembrance of the September 11th tragedy, Complex Con, a new law barring a certain type of suspension for elementary school students, as well as talking all of the latest city news about Janine Pierce and a new agreement with the Long Beach Police Department's union with Jason Ruiz. We'll have all that and more after the break here on the Long Beach 30. Attention sports fans, it is officially football season, and you know what that means. It's also officially ribs season. Naples Rib Company provides the best pre-game, during-game, post-game food you could possibly get in Long Beach because it's delicious ribs. They got the awesome sides like the mac and cheese and the mashed potatoes and the cornbread. Right now, you can call Naples Rib Company, set up a hog pack delivery for Sunday, and you can just veg out on your couch all day, watch seven hours of commercial-free football with Naples Rib Company right there. Stop by Naples Rib Company. Tell them the 562.org sent you. We're going to start by taking a look at the top news stories from around the city. Uh, we are recording this on Wednesday, September 11th, so uh, obviously no other place we can begin than uh, talking about Long Beach's official city remembrance of the 9-11 attacks, the mayor hosting a uh, solemn ceremony at Fire Station 1. You can read coverage of that at lbpost.com, a nice story by Kat Schuster. Um, I appreciate what they did in this ceremony as well as what Kat did with the story, which is basically just telling people stories of what they remember about the morning. And you and I are going to talk more about this at the end of the show, uh, about our, you know, our, that day in our lives. But, um, I appreciated this. She's just got mayor Robert Garcia talking about remembering being in college and gathering around a television with everyone to watch this happening. Um, police, excuse me, police chief Luna, doing the same thing. Um, and, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm glad that the city continues to hold this remembrance. I know that it will continue to. This was like a joint thing between the city, the police department, and the fire department. And, uh, you know, I mean, these are the kinds of memorials and ceremonies we need to have. The never forget thing can't just be a, a bumper sticker. We need to think about what the country was like that day and in the, in the days afterwards. Yeah, preach, Mike. You're absolutely right. And like you said, we'll talk about this a little bit later. But I believe I said it last year as well. we got to continue to include the youth in these remembrance days because yeah, it's really easy for somebody who was, I don't know, 18, 19 or older to remember where they were and how they felt and stuff. People who are younger than that, or maybe not even born yet, don't understand that. And it's a huge turning point in our nation's history. And if we want to continue to quote unquote, never forget, then we have to remind the people who might not have been there in the first place. So got to keep the kids involved in this stuff. Story number two, uh, Kid Cudi has been announced as the headliner for the it, dramatic change of gears here. Dramatic. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Complex Con coming back to Long Beach November 2nd and 3rd. I think, have you have we been every year so far? I think so, yeah. I think this will be the, probably the first one I don't go to, but November 2nd and 3rd uh, down at the Long Beach Convention Center. The headliner this year will be Kid Cudi. 
Um, they've, they're also going to have Skrillex, Travis Scott. Why is Kid Cudi announced as a headliner over Travis Scott? That's a very good question. <laughs> I do not know. Maybe it's like Kid Cudi and Friends. You know how he likes to bring a lot of uh, features on yeah. his songs? Oh, I see. No, 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 no. That was Travis Scott. Was uh, It was from when he played in 2016. It's just a list of people that previously played. Okay. So we're still waiting to see who the other uh, who the other artists are going to be in Long Beach. But we know that Kid Cudi's going to headline it, which is, that's a nice get. Wow, that was an interesting slip up, Mike. I think kids immediately went to their computers thinking that Travis Scott was coming to Long Beach. I was about to say, kid, yeah, kids are about to lose their mind. Really disappointed. It is a funny thing, though. People don't necessarily, like, I mean, Complex Con's not the, it's not the most expensive thing in the world. It's like $80 for a two-day pass. Well, we'll explain what it is. It's basically a... It's an arts and culture festival that yes, Complex yes, Magazine perfect. puts arts on. Arts and culture is the best way to put yes. it. Because and then you there's get also a, a concert. You get as much <laughs> sneaker looks. Yeah. As you do at celebrity looks, as you do at musical lists, like it's all encompassing the complex con. Yes, for sure, uh, and it's a good time. We've uh, we've always enjoyed it. The food is good. It's like a food truck plaza. Um, That's such a great idea. I don't understand. Everyone's gonna do. I don't yeah. understand why more people don't do that. So basically, they take. Don't you feel like if outside the pyramid at every yes. basketball game they had a food truck plaza, that it would be like quite a few people, yeah. quite a few more people coming to Long Beach State games. It's the Marine Park. So right next there, it's the water in between Shoreline Drive and um, and the arena. So you walk out of the arena and around the corner, and it's literally just a giant circle of trucks and food vendors parked right where you want to be, in the sunshine of Long Beach, eating delicious food and listening to music. Okay, the next story that we're going to talk about briefly is actually probably the most controversial story that has happened statewide over the last couple of days. I've just seen everyone's Facebook and Twitter feeds abuzz with uh, outrage or support for this. And I would just say I'm going to read a little bit of this article because most of what I've seen people writing about when they're outraged is incorrect. <laughs> oh, shocker. Yeah, JJ is looking at me like he, he can't believe his ears right now. <laughs> Um, okay, headline, California law bars suspensions for talking back to teachers. Okay, technically is, okay. technically true, <laughs> technically yeah. true. Thing well, is right for a clickbait headline, he, here, <laughs> here is what has happened. Uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, has signed into law um, something that bans public and charter schools from suspending students for, quote, willful defiance in grades four through five, and then temporarily uh, bans those suspensions for grades six through eight. They're already illegal in California. It's already illegal in California from grades one through three. Now, something to point out here. Students still face punishment for willful defiance. The punishment is not, hey, you get next week off school. So (laughs) they can still be removed from classes. Teachers can still enforce discipline in the ways they want to. This specific enforcement mechanism is being banned in California. And listen, let me say this. My wife is a teacher. Um, I have many friends who are teachers. Many of them are upset about this. And I understand that. I am fully on the side of teachers being able to... I don't think the word police is the right word, but being able to enforce discipline in their class. And I genuinely understand because we hear stories all the time from coaches and teachers. I understand that's a need. Like, I'm not I'm not going to say, oh, students are never, you know, someone's dad was mean to them. So they're being a jerk in class. You can't have that. It's not fair to the teacher or the 29 other kids in the class. That, right? is, that is true. But I, I love this story and I don't tell it very often because it makes me sound like a jerk. But <laughs> I remember I believe it was fourth or fifth grade. 
one of the students in class was being very disruptive, and I also didn't like this kid. Yeah. So put yourself there for a second, sure, right? Sure, sure, I'm sure. actually trying to learn, and this kid's getting in the way. So this kid's making all this noise, and the teacher's like, get out. Like, go out into the hallway. And I remember having this moment of clarity, and I yelled out, you just gave him exactly what he wanted. <laughs> so she sent me outside, too. <laughs> but I've always she felt like She gave you both that. exactly what you wanted. Yeah, yes. I've always felt like that, where it's like, if you suspend a kid for acting out in class, you're literally giving them exactly what they want. Like, put them in front of class and make them teach. That's the that's the lesson yeah. in, in teaching somebody how to be respectful in a classroom, not taking them out of said classroom. So I'm behind this 100%. I think there's two components to this that I would bring up. Number one is there is an assumption that particularly with younger students that repeated bad behavior is likely the cause of, and I mean, look, we've all known little kids. Little kids do not usually come out as jerks, right? There's something going on. And typically the thing that's going wrong in their life is the thing that's at home where there are not counselors and adults who necessarily care about these kids. And so removing that child from the environment of the school to have them spend more time in the place that, you know, clearly there's some issues there. I don't think anyone would think that that is a better idea for the for the future of the kid to be a better student well, when they're in ninth grade and 10th grade. I think if you hear a parent say you should allow that because of the other kids, I think that's a parent saying, I only care about my child. Right. I don't care about the health of the classroom. I don't care about these other kids because if, if I'm remembering correctly, and I usually do because I got a pretty good memory, those classes that I had in elementary school, the better the class, the more I learned. Right. Every time. A hundred percent. The other, uh, the other component of this that I think is like very serious and I've saw people online kind of dismissing it, which I don't think they should is data from the California department of education shows an enormous disparity in who is being suspended. Black students account for 5.6% of enrollment, but make up 15.6% of willful defiance suspensions in the 2017, 18 school year. White students account for 20% of willful defiance suspensions, but make up 23% of enrollment. Now, That is, there are studies that show that same disparity in kindergarten, as we've discussed on this show, and across all economic lines. So this is not a case of uh, some of the stereotypes that someone might put on it. This is an issue that needs to be figured out and addressed, and the immediate best thing you can do is to tie a tourniquet around your arm and stop the bleeding while we figure out exactly how to address that racial disparity. Do you feel like that stat's incomplete, though? Because the first time I read that, I immediately wanted to know what the racial breakdown of the teachers doing the suspending was. Right. Because if the majority of those teachers are of Caucasian descent, I think there is a serious problem that is beyond suspensions and taking and we have kids a in and out of class and stuff. And, yes, and we have that's a statewide a and, more and, than that. And you we see have what I'm a, saying? Yes, and we have a statewide and a nationwide shortage of black teachers, especially black male teachers. And I think that's a big part of uh, that's that's a big part of it as well when it comes to enforcing the discipline. Um, okay, our last story before we uh, get to our interview with Jason Ruiz. Um, this is just it's not really funny, but it's like it's kind of funny. Uh, a 19-year-old and a 14-year-old were arrested uh, trying to break into Hughes Middle School uh, to steal a projector and several calculators before a school safety officer stopped them. Uh, this was Sunday evening. Um, the 19-year-old was arrested. The 14-year-old uh, was booked on burglary and resisting an officer before being released to her family. Uh, police recovered all the stolen items. What was funny about this, to, now, number one, This actually is going to be an increasing issue because as student, my son's a first grader and he has a Chromebook at his school. As 
education becomes more technology-oriented, schools suddenly become burglary targets. It didn't used to necessarily make sense for someone to go in and try and steal the 32-inch box television that was nailed down to the cart, Mike, right? you don't know the cost of protractors on the street, man. Yes, but this now... This thing's going to be paying bills. But this did happen in the LBUSD that someone stole a Chrome cart, which is a cart filled with these Google Chromebook yeah. laptops. And, like, that's money right there. That is not stealing a projector. I don't know where they're trying to sell a projector. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. But, uh, but you know, this is, this is something that will increasingly, in my opinion, be something that needs to be looked at. Schools have more valuable stuff in them. What The reason I wanted to bring this up, because I thought this was, I sent this to our group chat. I just thought this was like the most perfect quintessential Long Beach thing was the Post put this story up on Facebook and the top comment was Hugh sucks, go to mill. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> we'll see y'all at next year's Century Club Middle School Bank. It was, it just, I really, it really brought a smile on my face. I can't even explain it. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll have Jason Ruiz on to talk about all the other news around the city. All right, we're joined by our good friend and uh, overworked associate, Jason Ruiz. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah. I'm on my ninth coffee of the day. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's number seven. Um, yeah, so uh, we need nothing to happen in Long Beach for the next few days. Uh, essentially, the entire Long Beach Post staff, except for Jason and Sharon McLucas in advertising... They're all in uh, New Orleans. They're all in New Orleans together for a conference. And uh, basically anything that happens is Jason's beat right now. So it's great. So everybody behave yourself. Yeah. It's a bigger train wreck than a UCLA football game. Um, So (laughs) what we're going to talk about today, I I thought the the biggest story of the week by far, obviously, was um, the state watchdog looking into Councilwoman Janine Pierce's conflict of interest situation. Um, can you kind of run that down for us uh, to the best of your ability? Sure. Um, well, it's a story that I didn't write, but yes. You know, and shout out to <laughs> Kelly Puente and Melissa Evans for their work on this, and hope they're having fun in New Orleans. <laughs> I hope they're having a great time. <laughs> so yeah, developments from where are we going back to last Friday? Yeah. So uh, where were we at? So basically, uh, there was it was revealed that there was a conflict of the city. A city study revealed that there was a conflict of interest. I believe is that correct? Correct. City attorney letter um, or, or letter comes out of the city attorney's office saying that uh, they found that uh, there were potential conflicts uh, between the councilwoman and some of the items that she had. Uh, voted on or potentially could vote on in the future. And specifically, Um, we're looking at in 2018, she did not disclose uh, a little more than $11,000 that she received from uh, Dan Zeroni. Dan Zeroni linked with uh, Urban Commons, which operates the Queen Mary, which is in her district as well. Uh, 2019, she received $30,000 from uh, Global Growth International um, cannabis re- and another cannabis-related company owned and controlled by Zeroni. Right. So he paid her for uh, consulting and something else. Uh, anyway, so in, in short, $40,000 over the course of two years. Um, I think the law, or the, the, the law of Long Beach anyways, is that you're considered conflicted if you make $500 
Oh, and then once you make that five hundred dollars, you have to wait twelve months to be not conflicted on that. This is obviously issue. considerably more than that. I should add that um, I believe it was Kelly Puente's story in May that revealed that this had been the case. That Janine Pierce had acknowledged she worked for Zeroni. That triggered the investigation by the city, and then this information came from uh, the law firm that had been contracted by the city to investigate it. Right. So, I mean, the issue isn't that she was doing this work. The issue was that she was doing this work and she didn't disclose it. Right. And that she was voting on, and even in one case, bringing an item to the agenda directly linked to the Queen Mary, where Zeroni had worked previously until he uh, resigned uh, right. After one of our one of Kelly's stories posted uh, earlier this year, um, so I mean the the item was the gondola, which I don't think anybody in the city really thinks is going to be a thing. It's kind of right. like that that episode of The Simpsons, the monorail, monorail, yes. yeah, yes. Um, so one could, <laughs> one could see that <laughs> as an attempt to literally i mean if if you were truly if you truly believed that uh councilwoman pierce had uh bad intentions with this you could look at that as an attempt to literally transport people from long beach to her client's place right. of business right like physically moving them there with city money potentially building the monorail, or not the monorail, the gondola. Yes. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Just make it a monorail. Yes. Uh, so that that was the issue. And then I, I believe that report said that even after she was given the ability to amend her Form 700s, uh, which is where you would uh, claim that kind of money that you make on the side, that she didn't do it correctly when given the opportunity to fix it. Yeah. So this has stirred up some uh, waspness stuff among the council. Her statement last Friday basically kind of softly accused uh, other people on the council of having similar conflicts of interest, right? Yeah. And and, uh, and they responded by... An, softly uh, <laughs> asking her to resign. Yeah, which yeah. I, I don't think is... I don't think if you've been following um, your guys' reporting closely, I don't think that that comes as particularly a surprise. Um, but the quotes were pretty uh, remarkable. Uh, two council people speaking anonymously said... Uh, what matters is she brought forward an initiative, wrote the motion, then voted on things where she had a financial interest, which she didn't disclose. She should give serious consideration to resigning, added another colleague. I'm disappointed that city council is distracted by ethical lapses by one of our colleagues. She's smart. She means well, but there's a pattern of serious challenges. Her poor decisions reflect badly on the council and on the city. Uh, worth noting that this seat is up, the second district seat is up, and that uh, basically the mayor and everyone else has kind of declined to endorse uh, Pierce or an, a challenger so far, right? Right. And, uh, I mean, there are a lot of moving parts in that in that race. There's the whole uh, police officers association poll where they're trying to find seemingly anybody to run against Pierce. Uh and then you have, you know, council members calling for her to resign, which, like you said, is not particularly uh, surprising given, you know, some of the relationships and uh, not relationships on the council in, right. in recent months. So that's not all surprising. I, I think, that, you know, to be fair, we just need to point out that, like I said earlier, there are other council people who, who have conflicts. But what is typically the case is that if they have a conflict, they recuse themselves from votes where they're conflicted. And, and it happens from time to time where a council person will say, you know, hey, I, I have business with this or this is a client of mine. So I'm going to step out of the room. I can't be part of this vote. So here's my question for you. And you might not have the answer for this. But, uh, you know, 
the that's not a decision that the other council members have made to disclose and then recuse themselves. That's what the that's what the rules are, right? I mean, that's what right. the, the law is. So, what is the potential punishment here for the fact that she did not do this? Is that kind of like up to the voters to decide, what, you know, whether she just voted out of the office or does she face some kind of a more serious consequence if if she's found to have done that? Well, yesterday it came out that there is currently an FPCC. Um, inquiry into Pierce. They didn't disclose at like where about in the process they are with right. that. Um, I mean, but ultimately I think the harshest uh, punishment could come at the ballot box in March when she does face reelection because there has been a, and not that it's been, you know, uh, orchestrated in any way, but there's just been, you know, a lot of bad press, uh, about her, and it's not a good thing when you're months away from you know potentially being seriously challenged for your seat. All right, much more to come on uh, on that story. I'm sure in the coming months, as we lead up to that special election, as you mentioned, uh, Jason. Thanks for joining us, and uh, good good luck with the rest of the week, buddy. Go Bruins. As we're sure you already know, this is not the only podcast that we do with Long Beach Post. We also do What Up Long Beach, our weekly sports show. This week, we are going down our Oh the Week segment with our question of the week, players of the week, obviously our list of the week. And we're going to be talking to one Jason Ruiz about the Saturday football experience that we all kind of shared. It's What Up Long Beach, available wherever you find your fine podcasts. Our thanks to Jason for joining us. Uh, we're going to end as we do every week now for two weeks in a row. On the lo- oh, JJ and I are going to stand up on the Long Beach Soapbox, which is just 30 seconds for both of us to recommend something, rant about something, share whatever we want to share. And uh, we're, we're actually going to take a little bit more time and do something a little bit different. Um, as I mentioned, we're recording this on September 11th. Uh, JJ and I uh, cover high school kids primarily. 80% of our week is spent on a high school campus Uh, talking to high school kids, talking to their parents. And as such, I think we are the people that I know who are least surprised by what everyone's, what I've seen everyone talking about on social media today, which is, oh my God, no, there's no high school kids in America with the exception of like hold back point guards at (laughs) modern day or something. There's no one left who remembers this. Like there's no one who's even born in high school before this happened. Um, And as such, it does change the way that we're talking about it, but I wanted to take a second just to reflect on my thoughts. I know JJ's got a couple. Um, I was getting ready to go to high school uh, as a senior in high school the day that it happened and uh, drove to school. I, I was the one of our friends with an old beat-up car, so I picked up three of my friends. Everyone already knew what had happened. We had no way to communicate with each other because we didn't text. So everyone just kind of stumbled into the car and was like, what the hell is going on? Um, and then obviously we did what everyone else did. We went to school in Long Beach, went from classroom to classroom, shuffling around, watching television, basically, trying to figure out what was going on. Um, And what I will always remember, I was a soccer coach. I coached uh, my friend's six-year-old soccer team. Um, I will always remember seeing little kids and being super jealous that they had no idea what was going on. We had practice the next day. And it was just like, these kids just want to like, they know that something bad happened because all the adults around them are scared and are worried and stressed out. And so we just had an hour where we were like, 
let's just pretend everything's okay with these girls right now and just run around and play soccer with them. And I, and I remember just thinking, I wish I could stay in that moment. Um, but what was lastingly moving to me, Jage, and we've talked about this a couple times, is you and I are both people who are like out front with our emotions. Like we tell our friends we love them, we hug people with both hands, right? Like, yeah. And to me, that is, that's how the whole country was for like a, I don't know, a week. You know, there was just yeah. like, you would just stop and like neighbors that I had been on my street my whole life that I'd never talked to. Suddenly you're having these emotional conversations with. And um, in my opinion, we kind of squandered that feeling in the country. Um, I heard the mayor say that I think everyone, especially in today's times, craves that sense of unity and feeling that we're all on the same team. Um, I don't know if we'll ever feel that again. Uh, I hope that we do. And just personally, all I can say is I hope that it does not take another event like that to make us feel that way. You're absolutely right. Very well said. I think I kind of tried to put myself in the mental state of the kids you're talking about, the soccer players, because I, too, was 18 and a senior in high school. And I still to this day feel kind of guilty for not being more sad or taking it more seriously. I was legitimately concerned with whether or not I was going to get to play football on Friday. Right. What a stupid thing to be concerned with. Except that that's the right, except that you for know an 18 year old, that's a yes, for as sure. A, as now, as old as I am looking back, like I remember, uh, a, I kind of wanted to like try to joke or whatever to like lighten the mood. Yeah. And I remember they canceled. Well, it was you like, and I are both the kids of divorced parents. So yeah. that is our typical response Fair to enough. people being stressed out. <laughs> They announced really early in the day, like, oh, the Latin Grammys are being canceled or something. And I was like, oh, God forbid the Latin Grammys are canceled. Like something way more serious is going on. But I still feel guilty for like making that joke in that classroom. So everybody's 18 18 years later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everybody's got um, mixed feelings about this. And I'm going to try to stay as calm as possible. But this like really gets me heated. I have zero mixed feelings about being frustrated with the way that the country deals with the people who sacrifice their lives for each other on that day. I am so sick and tired of this never forget stuff. Like, if you wanna post something about it and say like, oh, you know, I love my country, blah, 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 that's fine. But this like idea of like never forgetting doesn't really make any sense to me because I think that the majority of people who post that stuff, hashtag never forget, couldn't name one first responder who ran into that, those towers knowing exactly what was going to happen. And that's what we should be remembering, always remember should be the hashtag, not never forget. Like, we name high schools after uh, astronauts. We put mascots on high schools for, like, the craziest thing. We played the dragons on Sunday, for goodness sake. (laughs) Do you want to name your school after a hero? We've got heroes right here in real life who did something heroic that we all watched live on television. And let's be honest, it's something most of us wouldn't do. So, instead of hashtag never forget... I say we do hashtag put down the name of one of those heroes. Let's never forget the names of these heroes. And always remember, let's, let's just do one right now. Fire Department of New York, Engine 6, historic Engine 6. William R. Johnson, 31 years old. Thomas Houlihan, 36 years old. Paul Bear, 37 year old. We will never forget you. You people, we will always remember that you were the heroes of that day, no matter what. And so if we're going to continue to be the country that takes that lesson that we learned that day and tries to turn it into something else, we need to carry the heroes with us. So if you're going to put a hashtag never forget on your social media today or this week or whatever, you also need to donate money 
to the first responders and the emergency responders who are still dealing with the after effects of cleaning up those towers at 9-11. I get so angry when I see politicians skating past that issue like it's not a big deal. It's the issue of our lifetime. It's the deal of our lifetime. It should be the, if you're not willing to give a couple dollars every month out of your paycheck to make sure that the people who showed up there September 12th to start looking for bodies, if you're not willing to put that money down, then I don't know who you are because you're certainly not an American. We should be taking care of our own in these times. And it's not that 18 years is not that long. There are people struggling out there who went there first and took care of business for the rest of us. It's time for us to take care of them too. Well said. Thank you for joining us for the Long Beach 30. Tell your friends, subscribe to us, leave us a review, and we'll see you next week, Long Beach.